worshiped him. God bless you. I, I want to say to you that uh, you uh, have been blessed with tremendous talent uh, in this church. Amen. Believe me, I, I am no longer pastoring a full-time church. I always pray and I said, Lord, by the age of 50, I don't want to be pastoring full-time. Listen, I, I was 21 when I went into ministry, so I've given my best years to the Lord. I've given my best years to the Lord, and I've always said by the age of 50, I don't want to be in full-time ministry, but instead be more in the evangelistic ministry as well. And God has blessed us. We, we now, the Church of the Nazarene in Africa is divided into five fields. The bottom field is called the South Field, which is Namibia, Botswana, Swaziland, Lesotho, and South Africa. So I have been blessed to have been appointed as for the last four years now, four or five years, uh, to oversee the evangelism and the Jesus film. So that's been my role. And in my travels, let me say this to you. You are privileged and you are blessed. You have the, blessed, the best of, of music instruments. You've got the best of singers. You've got the best of buildings. I go to areas where there's nothing. But you know what? You know, I, the last one I went to in, in, in Mozambique, was a structure where the guy had, they had, it's like they just cut the tree down just for me when they came. There was a tree uh, there and another one that side, this side and that side, and a roof. That's it, and that's their place of worship. But the joy of the Lord, wow, the guy where they sing. And let me say this to you, the way you sang today, those witches sitting here tonight, those dabblers, I don't see any warlocks, let me say, the minute our advert goes out, those cults pray against us. And there's a lot of cults here in Mitchell's Plain. Believe me, there's a lot of cults that are here. I preached in one church just up the road here in Mitchell's Plain, and this pastor couldn't understand why I said those things. And little and little behold, one of those witches was in his church board. And he, he went through a torrid time. He went through hell in his church where everything just got messed up. And, you know, intercessors, let me say this to you, intercessors. The reason why Billy Graham and all those guys were so effective is because they had a boiler room. And the boiler room was only those who were on bended knees somewhere, somewhere locked away. And all they did was interceded. That's all they did. They interceded. And I call upon you intercessors to intercede. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. We had situations in our church where somebody invited the neighbors and these two women came in and they had the audacity to come into our prayer room where myself and my intercessors were praying. And I sensed the change in the atmosphere immediately. And when I opened my eyes, I saw one of my intercessors fall to the ground. And I realized there and I looked and I saw these two women here sitting there and I'm standing there and they, and they, were, had their, they were making as though they were praying. And I prayed, we prayed the blood of Jesus over them. And I tell you what, the heat in that room turned up so much that eventually they left. But this is what they did. They sat on the back of the benches and I told my intercessors, you sit behind, two sit behind, two sit in front, and two sit on the side. And they had bones. They had bones. And you need to guard yourself, especially your church, because you're on fire. 
God is doing great things. You know what? We're not going into enemy territory and we're not trespassing in. Yeah, he doesn't worry about us. He doesn't worry about us. But the minute we start going into enemy territory, that's when we, we come up and attack. Remember, we're in a battlefield. When you accept Christ Jesus, people always say, Oh, do you have any of us? Alles is lekker you know why? Because now the battle starts. The battle for your soul really starts. So God bless you. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Kizia and company. God richly bless you. Appreciate you guys. Really appreciate good music. You appreciate that. Because there's going to come a day when our word is going to be taken. You saw how easily our doors were locked. And no matter what petitions we signed, didn't get our doors open immediately, you see. And this is what can happen in our country, wherever we are. So God bless you. Thank you tonight for coming back. God bless you. Appreciate you. It was bang now for But God bless you. The only reason why some of you are saying good morning is because Yeah, You know what I mean? Come on. You know what I mean? It was not too late. You could say, "My brother, yeah, I'm going to pass the period of saying that." Can I Monday call me? Because I had my family here with me as well. But listen, it's a joy to be here with you tonight, and just to just to be a blessing once again with you tonight. Let's just pray together tonight. Our Father, as we come to you tonight, once again we come to you. We know of the name, but the name of your Son Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus. I plead your blood over this service tonight. We come against every unclean spirit. We come against anything that is not of you here tonight. In the name above every other name. In the name of Jesus. We don't just bind, but we break. We cancel and we destroy every work of the enemy. In the name above every other name. The name of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, once again tonight as I, Reuben Pelé, come to you. I come to you humbly. I come to you, Lord, and I... I do not ask for a great sermon. I don't ask for any great words. All I ask for is for your anointing and for your ministry. Would you minister to us tonight? That Lord, as we leave here tonight, we will sing as the psalmist David sang, Thy word have I hid in my heart, dear Lord, that I will not sin against thee. And I pray tonight, O oh Lord, that generational curses will be broken. I pray, oh God, the curse words spoken against families will be broken. I pray, God, where families that have not been talking to each other tonight will find each other. Families will be mended, will be rejoined together. I pray, oh God, for those that have left home, the prodigal child or the prodigal son, or the husband that left home, or the wife that left home, that tonight, oh Lord, something in the heavenlies will happen. Something in the heavenlies will happen. But they, oh Lord, will say, hey... Let me go back home. Let me go back to my family. Let me go back to my wife. Let me go back to my children tonight. So I plead your blood of our families tonight, Father. I say to you, Satan, by the power invested in me in God Almighty, you have no right, you have no authority over our families. You take your filthy hands off our families. In the name above every other name, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we ask this. Amen and amen. And amen. Fathers, let me say this to you as I start tonight. There are certain needs, and I know tonight's thing, we talk about the cure. For those of you that were not here this morning, 
let me just go quickly, quickly, quickly go back. Quickly go back. Just to, just to show you. There we go. There we go. There we go. Up, so up, 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 up. There we go. Nice Japan, you see. It's not me. This is what we spoke about this morning. The cause of our problem is our sin nature. I showed you how we pray God by denying our humanity and by trying to control everything for our selfish reasons. We control our image. We control other people. We control our problems, and we control our pain. I showed you what happened, what the consequences, what the results are of playing God. The results of that are fear, frustration, fatigue, extreme tiredness, and failure. That's the consequences. And then tonight, I want to talk to you on the cure. But just before I, I go on to that, let me address you fathers. Fathers, there are certain needs that only you can meet in your child. There are certain needs that only you can meet in your child, especially in your girls. The need for significance. Significance means who am I? Sense of identity. Who am I? When you hug your daughter, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about childhood days, in the first seven years, let me say this to you. Research tells us that your, your, your child's, 80% of your child's personality is shaped by the age of seven to nine. Right? Now, if 80% of the child's personality is shaped by the age of seven, who does the child spend the most of time with? With us as parents. Thereafter, only the grace of God can change your child's personality. Let me say this to you. If your child right now is hitting you, Chances are, strong possibility, your child will learn up aggressive behavior. If your child now doesn't understand discipline from the age of one to seven, doesn't understand discipline, and it's telling me, eh, and you give the phone, and the child said, eat off thy phone, let me say, you've lost your child. Thereafter, only the grace of God. Only the grace of God, thereafter. This is where you've got to be a praying mom. Fathers, let me say this to you, as I said to you, search for significance. Who am I? Sense of identity. When you put your arms around your child and you say, this is daddy's princess. Or this is daddy's king, daddy's prince. You know what you're doing for that child? You are instilling a sense of, 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 of significance, a sense of worth. You are saying to the child, this is who you are. And that child walks around. When people tease their child, that child's brain is already registered. Ah, it is my pastor, king. I'm my mother's princess. I'm a daddy's princess. The brain. We're dealing with the brain. That's what we're dealing with. The brain registers that. So no matter what other people say about your child, your child knows who she is and knows who he is. When that guy comes, and let me say this to you, the reason why your daughter wants to run away from home and marry... Now, I always, God doesn't make ugly people, eh? But I always look at some of those women, they're so beautiful. And the old lady, like, so looking, you know what I mean? Not ugly. They look different. Thank you. Thank God for my wife. My wife always corrects me. See, good wives we have. Look different. You know why, daddy? Because that guy presses the buttons that you should be pressing. Yeah. The things that you should be doing, you're not doing. And here that guy comes and you want to blame your daughter? Scam your man. You are responsible. 
I've had a good friend of mine. That's the first thing I'll tell you just now, right? The second thing is sense of security. Now, when you're not at home, your children will make sure the doors are locked, the windows are closed. They will make sure. But watch, only to can this door. As daddy buddy aces, I can this asan. They don't worry anymore. Why? Daddy is there. Come on, I did this. When we got trouble, when we, when we got into trouble when we were lighties, when we were boys, what did we tell those guys? Echad me pal. Right? And we went to go fetch. And then we got. And no, stand for me, no. Stand for me, no. Why? Security. Sense of security. Right? And then the third need that you meet, daddies, is a sense of belonging. Every child, including yourself, has a need for someone to put their arms around them and say, this is where you belong. I love you. The reason why your child doesn't want to come home, because your child feels unwelcome. Your child feels rejected. Because all your child heard was, they play dumb, they play stupid. They can next to me. If a child breaks a glass, what comes next? I can be. Why does your child lie and your child tell you, no, I didn't do it? And yet you saw your child do it. Because that child knows what's coming next. So those of you men, let me say this to you. Let me, and I'll be blunt with you. If you cannot fulfill your fatherly responsible, keep your zip up. I'm being blunt with you. And I'm being direct with you. You know why? I see on a daily basis the hurt. I see the hurt. We have to help children that are damaged, that are destroyed. We see marriages breaking up. Just the other day, I had a man who shared with me and he said, you know, I got married. I was married for 18 years. My wife never slept with me. And everybody blamed me for having an affair. Somewhere along the line, daddy didn't make her feel secure. Daddy didn't make her feel belonging. Instead, fear filled that child, that woman. And that little girl in that adult woman was scared. 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 You know what I mean? And then he divorced her. Unfortunately, sadly, he did. And he shared with me just the other day. And he said to me, I need to meet with the family. And I need you to arrange a mediation with the family. So I can share with the family and say why I divorced my wife. She's dead today. She passed away today. Sadly, she passed away today. But this is where we are. Daddies, please, I urge you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, please fulfill your godly responsibilities. Because the reason why our children run outside, because home symbolizes pain. Because all daddy can do is daddy can scream and scale. Mami zook. Mami zook. But let's look at the cure. This is what we need to understand. The first thing we need to understand is, I admit that I am powerless to change my past. You need to admit that, beloved. You need to be big enough. Listen, your past happened to you. What happened to you should not have happened to you. Yes, and I'm not saying that your, the, the rape or the molestation or the abuse or, or the hurt did not happen to you. No, but let me say this is all the resentment, all the hatred in the world isn't going to change it. It's not going to change it. 
And you need to realize that we are powerless. As much as we try, we can't change it. Only God can. And I'll show you just now what is this. So, yes, I am not saying, and you may say, well, Pastor, you don't understand the pain I went through. You don't understand how he violated me. You don't understand how he took away my virginity. Oh, Lord, Pastor, you don't understand what my daddy did to me. You don't understand what my, my stepfather did. Yes, and I'm not saying your pain is not real. I'm not saying your hurt is not painful. No. But let me say this to you. And you know why we're in trouble? I said to you, we started in the Garden of Eden. What happened in the Garden of Eden? In the Garden of Eden, man took the word of Satan over the word of God. And that is why today we struggle. We all struggle. Why? Why, when we go through any situation, any hurt, any pain, molestation or whatever, what do we do? We get consumed with our hurt. Why? Because our brain takes the word of the enemy over the word of God. Tonight, I trust tonight by faith that we're going to reverse that. That's the only way we can break the generational curses and, and, the, and the pain or whatever. So you need to understand that. Secondly, admit that I'm powerless to control other people. Come on, church. We can't be controlling other people. I try. I like to manipulate them. I use all kinds of little gimmick tricks, but it doesn't work. I am only responsible for my actions, not this. That's what you need to realize. You are only responsible for your actions. You cannot hold yourself accountable for other people's uh, actions, beloved. And you need to come to this realization tonight. I'm not God. I can't control other people. And that's what we're trying to do all our lives. Thirdly, admit that I'm powerless to cope with my, mind, my harmful habits, behaviors, and actions. And this is what happens sometimes. We always, we go ahead, and we don't realize sometimes how our words... Let me say this to you. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the biggest myth. You might as well take a stick and hit me. After some time, the wound will heal. But let me just say this to you, mummies and daddies. The words you speak over your children, you give power. There's power in the tongue. How many of us today are battling because mommy said, your man suffer your knock and duck plan. How many of us are still struggling because mommy and daddy said to you, you'll never be happy. Or someone significant in your life told you, you'll never be happy. I had a grandfather, was, he was what, 99 at that stage, 102 years he died. And he always said to me, he says to me, pastor, pastor. He stayed by the one daughter's house and he said, Declunk, the one guy, the one son, is it Declunk? I still make health. But my doctor believes in me. But I say no, Pastor. Declunks are trunken and trunk eight. And if I still lucky, Opa died. And I got the call to say that the son shot. He's a hitman for a gang. Mommy didn't even know her son was a hitman. Didn't want, to accept, didn't want to accept it. And you know what happened? He went for 14 years because he killed a girl who was raped by the, by, the, by the gang leader. And she was the chief witness. He shot her and he went for 14 years. And Virupala Easter, pastor, 
to say ek faha, ek is jammer, ek is besig. You know why? Because for months, in fact for years I was there, we tried to help her to say, mommy, the boy is a hitman. Uh -uh. She didn't want to accept it, she covered for him. And now suddenly, you see what I mean, beloved? This is it, and we need to understand that our, and he struggled. You know why? Because of the words spoken over him. The words spoken over him. Beloved, good intentions are nothing. They're not enough. How many times you tried and you failed? Willpower. A lot of people will tell you, and that's what they say in the 12 steps and all the rehabs. Willpower. It's inside of you. Dig deep inside of you. No! We need God! Why? Because God created us to need Him. That's it. Period. He, he created us to need Him. There's no way we can survive on our own, beloved. You can try. You can try as much as you want, beloved. No, we need an outside power. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to fill us. Why? God wired us such. He wired us such that we need him. He made us. He made us to need him. That's what it is, beloved. So you can use your willpower. And you can try in your humanness. Let me say, when it comes back, it comes back. What's of God will last. What's not of God will not last. We need God, beloved. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You'll always see I'm talking about humility. That's the key, beloved. When we humble ourselves, grace is the power God gives me to make the changes in my life that I want to make and he wants to make. The power to change and for you to recover from hurts, hang-ups, Hassles in your life. You need God's grace. What is God's grace? What is even prevenient grace? They say grace that goes before. When you want to sin, when you want to do the wrong thing, there's that voice that tells you, don't do it. Don't do it. That's grace. That's grace. That's grace. That's what it is. It goes before you when you want to do the wrong thing. What's the voice that says to you? Suddenly you get a crisis of conscience. What is it? God's grace. Because grace is love. It's love. And he loves us. And he doesn't want us to perish. We need God's grace. Remember that. How do you get it? Easy. You'll keep on, you'll keep on hearing me saying that. He gives it to the humble. I told you. You want to sit here and be the Lord, go ahead. But if you want to sit here and be of no status, if you want to humble yourself and say, Lord, I give it all to you. I have no rights. I'm yours, Lord. You do that and you see what will happen, how God will bless you. What needs changing in your life? Ask yourself, what needs changing in your life today? What hurt or hang up or habit are you trying to ignore? For many, this will be the hardest step. You know why? Because it is humbling. It is tough for daddy who messed up to go to a son or a daughter or go to an ex-wife and say, listen here, yeah, I'm sorry, I messed up. It's the hardest thing you're going to do. And for many, they don't want to do it. But you'll find for all your searching, all your looking, that when you do humble yourself, God actually meets you at a point of need. And you walk from there. 
Wow. I had, we, we had a women's camp in February, and I spoke about Satan's most powerful psychological weapon. And the other day, my wife preached at another church, and I supported her. And the one woman came to me, and that's the woman that hit me. She hit me that evening. But I mean, when, when she, she, she cried, she wept, and she hit me on the chest. And she says to me, why? Why are you taking me back? Why are you making me to revisit what I've gone through? And I held her and I said to her, end of the week, you're going to say thank you, Lord. It's painful. And the other day when we went there, she said, this is what she said, I need to see you after church. And she came to me, she said, you know, I went to my eldest sister. And when I got to my eldest sister, my eldest sister said, she looks at you and says, what? And the elder sister said to her, I'm sorry. All these years I belittled you. All these years I did this to you and that to you and that to you. She said, you know what? We both broke down. And we both hugged each other. And we said sorry to each other. See what humility does. What are you running from, beloved? It will be the hardest thing. It says that I admit I'm not God. I'm struggling and I did not want others to know that. By admitting you are simply being honest and you're facing the problem that you've ignored for a long time. Daddies, mummies, children, ex-husbands, ex-wives, divorcees. Come on. Come on. Be big enough and bold enough. Yes, I know your ex-husband hurt you. Yes, I know your ex-wife may have hurt you. They may have been unfaithful or whatever. And yes, you may have said some bad things to each other. Even as siblings, you may have said bad things to each other. But when we acknowledge and we admit that we're not God, I'm struggling and I need help, God's grace surrounds us. We drown in God's grace and we get our victory, beloved. How do I get it? Easy. He gives it to those who are humble. He gives it to those who are humble. You see, the word of the enemy is, Ah, muni nkhini. Oyoster, muni nkhini. Ah, Muni, Muni, ah, Muni, ah, slant form. What does grace say? Grace does this. Grace stands like this. That's what grace does, beloved. Give it to the humble. How else? Where can I get help when I'm, when I'm hurting? We now realize that we all need healing in some area. We're not perfect. The root cause is our desire to control our sin nature. The more insecure you are, the more you want to control things. You want to control your life, other people's lives, your environment. You want to be God. We saw the result. We saw the result. Fear, fatigue, frustration, failure. That's what, that was the result, beloved. We saw that. Denial. This is the one thing that prevents us from getting healing. We are always denying we don't have a problem. Always denying we don't have a problem. And we always say things like, I'm okay, I'm fine, I don't have a problem, I can handle it, things are okay. Is that my fro? Then said he man, is that my fro? Then said he fro, is that my man? Yeah, that's what we say. You know what I mean? Come on, let's, let's bring it home. What do we say? As that my neighbor, oh, is that my kinners? As my kinners can change, I let all oh, we'll be happy. And my children say, is that my mom? In church, 
People say, is die pastor? Nie in die kerkie, halleluja, bless the Lord, nie in die kerkie. Nie in die kerkie, nie in die kerkie, nie in die kerkie. But we blaming the man, the man of God and his family? Or we blame the man of God and his family blames the people? We always blaming each other. I recently, a pastor saying to me, oh my, I don't know, this church is blaming me for everything. This is what he says to me. I was doing for this one denomination a, uh, a wellness program. And this uh, pastor, this man said to me, of this one church, and he said to me, the morning, he says, Pelé, yo, I'm so glad so-and-so was here, and so-and-so, and these men, I'm so glad, I was six for all of them. It was so glad was here. I go home, I get a call from their leader, the district superintendent, over the denomination, they say, Pelé, yeah, it was so glad you was there, man, I pastor, I know what I man. You see, this is what we do. We blame each other. This is what we do, beloved. We just, we greater that. It's always if he changes. You know, he's a great man. He just needs to give up his alcohol. He's not the alcohol, man. It's not the alcohol that's a problem. It's him or it's you. You're the problem. Be big enough to admit it. You're the problem. Denial. What does God do? God uses pain to help us get past denial. That's what God does. God does that. He uses that. How many of us really change until we see the light, until we start to feel the heat, until our pain is so great, we hit rock bottom that we are forced to move into healing? Come on. Everything has to be falling apart. What does God do to get us? This is what God does. Three things God does. For you, that place I get near problem near. It's my man of my flow, my kinners, of my ex-man. Crisis. Three things God does. He uses crisis. He uses sickness. Now, not all sickness and, and stress and things are because of sin. And not all the time it is because you, you are. Let me say this to you. I, let, let's use this word. God uses these three things. When, and I dunk the year for Afrikaans. He's a banana boy. He was a banana boy. He's no carpenter. He wouldn't Afrikaans part me. Brumani for Stani. But... And it is so hard And the best of word that I can create in Afrikaans is Domastrand. Yeah. Domastrand. You're so hard And what does God do? God has to bring, put you in a sick bed. You start to stress. You lost your job. Things fall apart and you don't know why. Everything just seems to go wrong. Your friends are leaving you. Your family members don't want to hear about you. Everything is going wrong. Crisis. He also used confrontation. Confrontation is where God speaks to someone to say, go to so-and-so out of love. Out of love. Because when God disciplines, he, just, he, he, he whom the Father loves, he disciplines. How many times God has used some godly person to speak to you, but you never listened? You know, many a times... When I used to take my children to school and I drive them to school, and when I talk to my children, my son has been the voice of God to me so many times. But a bit more as a part now, you will form faces, Jason Muslim, but here. So he talks, you know what I mean? And we talk, and, and then when I drop them off at school and, I, and I'm driving back home, I'm all alone, just me and God. 
and the Holy Spirit ministers to me. And my child's word comes back to me. And God helps me to realize that, hey, what my son said there was not my son. But there was the Spirit of God speaking through him. How many times a godly person has come to you to warn you about something, some habit, something that you've been doing? How many times God has used that? God has used confrontation. You don't say, stop that alarm. You go on and you check. You do something when there's a fire, isn't it? So when someone comes to you and talks to you, beloved, listen. But so often in life, pain is there, but we try to cover it. We cover it with eating. We go on a binge eating on the liquor yet. Comfort ourselves. You see, alcohol, drugs, sex, stealing, we, that's what happens. Tantrums, withdrawal, tantrums, staying away from people, staying away from church. Let me say this to you, and don't, don't do it. Don't stand up. Don't stand up. Don't stand up, please. But let me say this. If I had to ask you, and if I had to ask you to stand and ask you how many of you, as you sit here, this is not your first church. This is not your second church. This is not your third church. This is not your fourth church. This is not your first church. You ran away with unresolved issues. You had problems in your previous churches. You had problems in your marriages. You had problems in your schools, wherever else. And all you've done is, you thought, let me go to this church. It's Lekahi. It's Lekahi. It's nice here. And only later on, we discover, whoa. Hey, I'm so glad to see these guys still here. <laughs> You're doing something right, brother. I'm telling you. You know why? I've preached in so many churches. And when I go back, then vraag for die man van God, waar pastor so and so? Waar pastor so and so? Say, nee, is er They're gone. And you know what they say? One pastor recently stood up and said, the Lord showed me I need to leave this place. He said, come city, man. I'll be belted for you. The Lord showed him. I don't know what Lord showed him. Maybe Lord Krishna or something showed him. But definitely not my God. We don't need more churches and more buildings. We need more men and women who will say, Yeah, my Lord, use me where I am. And if I'm not the leader, that's fine. If I don't have to preach, that's fine. If I just got to sit there and be an intercessor and a follower, that's fine. We need more men and women who will say, Hey, you know what? I don't want a quick fix. No. But we're not dealing with the main issues. That's what's happening. And God will use confrontation. To get our attention. That's what's happening. We run from everywhere. We run. Oh, a good friend of mine got divorced. He put the, I remember I told you, and now he's blaming his other wife. And this is what we do. That's why we run from church to church. We're church hoppers. We're church hoppers. And we stand up and say, The word of God has shown me. And you even use scriptures to back it up. And he lanky. Near month, I could have no, 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 Lord, I, I, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, but this is not the place for me. This is not the place for me. You know how many times I asked my wife how many times I wrote my resignation from the Church of the Nazarene? I just didn't press send. You come on my computers and all my computers, you'll see. When I was in church every Monday, I resigned, but I didn't press send <laughs> because the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow me to press send. And I'm not out there then, and somebody asked me the question, are you still with the church of the Nazarene? I said, you know, I asked myself the question, the same question. What sukek ye in the kerk? You see what I mean? But God's molding us. God's shaping us. 
God's going to use, that's what he's going to do. And then, beloved, don't get to this stage. Don't ever get to this stage where something catastrophic happens, where God pulls the mat from under your feet. Don't get to that. I talk, you know why I put this there? Because of my own experience. Years back, 1983, 84, my pastor kept on, my mother's pastor, not mine, my mother's pastor kept on saying to me, from the church of the Nazarene, kept on saying to me, Kiki, it was interesting in, in, in the full gospel, the AFM church and assemblies of God. But when we, we went to this church, it was a church of the Nazarene, and we had to go to the church of the Nazarene. And that's how I finished off there, in the church. And then the pastor would say to me, Reuben, come on, give your heart to Jesus. I said, Pastor, don't worry. Reuben, you're called. God has called you, Reuben. God has called you. And the first time I got involved in trouble, my brother will tell you, I stabbed three people. They, my mom, godly mom that she was, went to them and said, please help my son, for, for, forgive him. And, and she paid them, and they canceled the case and everything. That was confrontation. Right? There was a crisis that I had, right? Crisis. Then confrontation. The pastor coming to me all the time. I got fed up with that man. Really, I got fed up. My brother will tell you as well. And then what happened? We got involved in armed robbery. He was Samadons. But he got away. My friend and I, we got in court, got, got, got arrested. And let me say this to you. 1984, Artman Apartheid. We come in the court. There's a boor uh, fro. Sorry, Yamar, for the word. Not videotaping, I hope. There's a white woman. Yamar. Apologies, thousand of it's, it's a white prosecutor. And you know what? My mom went to where she said to my mom, ha ah, Alamut can sit for four years and nothing less. That is when God says, right, you don't want it. That's it. I take my hands off. Yay. I got lamb in my eye. I'm telling you, I'm sitting there today, four years. This auntie wants us, she wants our heads. And lunchtime, my pastor, the the attorney called us, both of us, and he said, guys, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. But he said, let's give it another half an hour after lunch, and I'll tell you whether you must change your plea. And then my pastor came, and his pastor said, Reuben, give your heart to Jesus, Reuben. You are called. You are called. Give your heart to the Lord. And I said to him, well, pastor, if the Lord gets me out of this case, this is where I, I, will, I, I will definitely go. And this is where I am today. Because when we came back, God confused. God stepped in. God stepped in. God stepped in, confused the witnesses. The one witness said, I had the weapon. The other one said, my friend had the weapon. And right there and there, the case was dismissed against us. And you know what? That was catastrophic. I said, not going back again. And this is where I am today. How many times God had to make us go through that crisis? How many times? You, you love it, need tinders, but you love it, that don't bless the work of God. You wondered why you lost your job? Because God could not trust you with that little money. You wonder why some people are blessed financially? Because God knows if I give my servant this money, he will bless in return. He will sow into my kingdom. God can't trust you. I remember one guy in our church, he came, he asked pastor to pray for him. He said, pastor, I said, pastor Mitchell, put for me, I said, for a job. Prayed for him, he got a job, he got a good job in the council, good job. And every month that man paid his tithe, every month he, he tied it, every month. And then suddenly, for a few months, there come knocks on me. There come knocks on me to say, me, his pastor for him, bro, what can I do? He said, hey, pastor, I get no promotion, I get no more, I get no more, I get no more, I get no more. And you know what? To say, me, my, 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 my,
Kom ons bid dat die Heere moet die werk take the job away from you. And that's why sometimes because we're not faithful and God can't trust us. And we wonder why others are prosperous and we are not. God allows some disaster. The first step, as I said to you, is admit. The second step is hope. It says it's good news. There's good news. Let me say there's good news. God's a God of hope. No matter how much we've messed up, he still stands there. Nothing will reverse Calvary. Nothing. There's a, remember, beloved, there is a power that we can plug into. And that power is nothing else than the Holy Spirit. You can plug into it. You don't have to handle it on your own, beloved. Are you going through some crisis? Ask yourself the question. Are you going through some crisis? Is there one person confronting you about something? Recently, has someone spoken to you about something in you, some area in your life? Are you going through some tra tragedy, something catastrophic or evil or misfortune? Ask yourself those things. Bro. All these things God uses to help us what? Overcome denial. God uses that. Let me say this to you. First, I must realize I'm not God. I'm powerless. I'm helpless to control my tendency to do the right thing. And my life is not, is unmanageable. And then, beloved, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He says, for that coming to God must believe that he is, and that means God exists. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 6 says that. Beloved, you see, the, 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 this is where the problem starts. This is where the problem comes in. And I know I'm talking to children of God, and I know I'm talking to Christians here, and I know some of you come a long time. But you see, beloved, you need to acknowledge that God exists. For most people, it's not if there's a God. It's your concept of God. It's your thinking of God. It's how big is your God? That's it. And a lot of us, beloved, this is what happens. We, we have some strange ideas about God. For a lot of us, we see God, our parents. If my parents was abusive, we believe God's abusive. Come on. How many of us see, we think God is like my father or my mother? Or we think God is like pastors? Come on. I had one child when I went to visit them. Uh, she, I said, is mommy here? She said, yes, uh, to hold on. She goes into the house and says, mommy, God is here. And that is why when the arm of flesh fails you, when we as men of God mess up, you get so discouraged and despondent. You see? So it's how you see God. It's not, you see, if your parents were unloving and rejecting, you're not, you can't trust someone who you can see. How on earth are you going to trust someone who you cannot see? How? You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Let's look at the character of God. Unless you understand what God really is like, you can't trust him. You're not going to just trust someone that you don't know. Come on. You're not going to trust someone you don't know. Let's look at God. And, I, and I, wanted, I wanted to do this just as a refresher. It's not something new you are hearing. Your servant of God, your servants of God have told you this. But I want to refresh your memory today so that you understand God. You know what I get fed up of? And I love CCFM, and I love the radio stations. And you spoke about Facebook earlier on, man of God. You know what I get? You know what? If I'm an unbeliever, and if I listen sometimes to CCFM, the way Christians phone in, Ooh, but for me, I said, believe. And you want me to become a Christian? I'm not saying your problem is not real. 
I'm not saying the challenges are not real. But how big is your God? How big is your God? Come on. I mean, come on, let's, let's be honest with each other. If Take the time that you take to phone and to cry on the phone. Bend the knee. The God who has saved your mommy, your daddy, your neighbors, your friends, your children. Trust that God. Go on your knees. Go on your knees. You can do more for that drug-addict child, for that lesbian daughter of yours. You can do more for them on your knees than phoning Auntie Mari and Skinner. Come on. I said to my wife the other day when we heard some sad news about someone in bad behavior, I said to my wife, don't confront it. Let the others confront it, but we be the prayer channel. We will pray. We will pray and we will pray and we will leave the door open. Say in prayer, when, she, when they see everybody else is rejecting them, God will make a way such a way that they will start. But whoa, Uncle Ruben and Auntie Laura are not rejecting me. They actually not saying anything. But what they don't know, we're praying. It's our loved one. It's our loved one. Come on. Come on, you need to understand, this is it. You need to understand that God knows about your situation. He knows about every situation. He knows about that unfaithful husband. He knows about your pain that you're going through. He knows about the sexual molestation. He knows about your financial difficulty. He knows about all the pain. He knows about the rape and the hurt and, and the feelings of fear. He knows about the rejection. The psalmist says, and, and I love this one here. I'm not going to have time to go to the other one. Psalm 56, he knows about your pain. Let me say, for those of you that are grieving, let me just quickly say this. Psalmist says, God records our tears. The Jews in the ancient days, when, when a loved one was on their sick bed and they were dying, they would take a bottle, a little bottle, and when their loved one cried, they would take the bottle and they will put it on the cheek of their loved one. And the tears would fall into that bottle. And then they would seal it, they would tie it. And when the loved one died, they took it and they put it at the grave of the loved one saying, we remember your pain. We remember what you've gone through. We remember the tears that you shed. The psalmist says in Psalm 56, you go read it when you go home. He says, hide my tears in thy bottle, O Lord. In thy bottle, O Lord. Let me say to you, loved ones, we've grieved the last two years. We've lost a lot of family members. Some of you are still grieving. I lost my mom. I, lost, I, I never realized that when I came into ministry, I didn't sign up to bury my loved ones. I buried two nephews last year. Robert buried his wife last year. We had my first cousin, Bishop Chris, he and his wife were buried on one day, COVID. His son was buried the next day. We had the other nephew buried as well. We had so many deaths. But let me say this to you. Every tear you shed, not a single tear hit the ground. Because God collected it with his bottle. He'll bring you healing. He'll bring healing. He'll bring you healing. Sorrow is only for the night. 
but joy cometh in the morning. Not only does God know about my situation, but he also cares. God cares. God cares about your situation. You need to understand that not only does he know, he cares about your situation. He's like a father to us. He loves us, Romans 5, 8. He loves us with an everlasting love. He says, I love you with an undying love. Not only does God know and care about my situation, God can change me and he can change my situation. He can. He can do that, beloved. He can change it. Sometimes we need changing. Sometimes our situation is changing. Problem many of us, beloved, we are driving cars with rearview mirrors bigger than the windscreen. I'll talk to you about that just now. That's what's happening. Finally, beloved, we need to accept God's offer to help me. What could keep me from taking this step? Now, there's four things that will keep us from... You see, I don't want to admit I need help. What keeps me from admitting? This is what keeps us. Is wachmoedig. Is fall from yourself. You think you have it all together. Just because you have a little money. Or just nothing wrong with that. I have lots of it. Doesn't matter. People always say, Pastor, yeah, you can talk, but you got a lot. I say, speak it into my life. Speak it. Pride. We're full of ourselves. Just because I have a better house or a better car or whatever. Pride keeps me from admitting that I, have, I need help. Pride. Pride comes before the fall, beloved. You read those scriptures. Guilt. We, we'll, this will keep you from taking the step. You may feel, I ask God so many times, you know, some, so many people will tell you, they'll say to me, you know, Pastor, I've asked God so many times and I've let him down. You know what? Nothing will reverse Calvary. You see, and Pastor used the word this morning as well. What does the word of God says? There is therefore no condemnation for those who want Jesus Christ. Guilt says you are condemned. Conviction says you are not, there's no condemnation. Grace says there's no condemnation. And you'll often would say that, you know, you may feel I made promises before God and you've broken it. Come on, how many times? That's why Paul says, the things that I know I must not do. I just pray and said, Lord, help me in this area. And I step out and what happens? Lord, keep me away from these friends. And I just step out down the gate and vikrek. I sell the offering there. Lord, keep me away from Mari. And I go into the bus. Like this one guy said to me the other day. He said to me, you know, I'm now going to this other church. He said, I'm going to this other, I mean, I'm a He said, I'm going to this other church. And the next thing, Defro come now home to him and say, hello. We'll just say, Johnson. Hello. He's going to say Johnson in here. <laughs> hello, Johnson. And he says, just remind me. And he says, oh, father. And he said, it was an old fling. <laughs> One of his ex-girlfriends. And here he comes to this church thinking, well, this is where I want to be, walking the straight and narrow. And what does the enemy do? The enemy brings. You see? But God can use that situation for him to have victory. And when he got into the car, he said, why she comes to you? Yellow from me, sir. Niman as a brief, Niman come na me too and say hello, Ruben, yes, I believe. Me throw is he when you ask a brief. 
But let me ask her, please. Please. God wants to forgive you. He wants to help you. There's no sin that God won't and can't forgive you. Don't put the word of the enemy above the word of God. Don't. Nothing will reverse Calvary. Don't, beloved. Don't. Thirdly, beloved, you are afraid of what you can give up. Fear. That's the problem. In many times, it's fear. You don't want to stop going to Mari because you're afraid that you must cut ties with Mari. Because Mary Vachbari is. You don't want to give up those friends because you've been so dependent on those friends. And you're thinking, you know, if I cut this, break this relationship, who's going to give me money? I've had so many women say to me, no, I only sleep with this guy to get the money so I can feed my children. And they claim to be big-time Christians. Fear. Fear, beloved. Many say, I don't want people controlling me, telling me what to do. I want freedom. But the reality is that you are being controlled. You are controlled by your hurts, people's opinions, by your habits, by your hang-ups, by your past. Those things are controlling you, beloved. Do you know what freedom is? It's choosing who controls you. Many people say the same thing. They say that. It's who's controlling you, beloved. It's choosing who controls you. When you give your life to the care and the control of Jesus, he sets you free. What does the word of God says? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We know the word. We know the scriptures. But still we walk in defeat. Still we walk in defeat. Real freedom is choosing who masters, who masters you, beloved. Who will master you? I did this deliberately so you can read it. You think I made a mistake. Uh-uh, I didn't make a mistake. I did it deliberately. Because Who controls you, beloved? That's real freedom. I want to believe, but my faith is just so small. That's doubt. Many times you doubt because you see, you, you, because you trusted God for small things. It's your concept of God. You trusted God for small things. And what happened? God comes in and God can do big things, but you can't. I went to a church and I told those people they have a small building. Small building from there till about here. And they were thanking God and praising God. That was a number of years ago, almost 12 years ago. Praising God for that building. And I looked at them and that pastor got mad with me, the district superintendent. And I said to him, is this how big your God is? And now the new pastor is struggling to get the building bigger. I mean, it's a village that they try to work, but still nothing goes. And I said to him, it's the mentality. It's because years back, the men of God stood here and said, we bless, look at the Lord, give the Lord a hand. The Lord's given us a great building. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. So those people are saying, but this is how big our God is. And they cannot see beyond that. You can't see beyond that. And no, what can I know? Called out, beloved. Just, uh, Okay. There we go. We're moving. We're moving. Matthew 9. We need help. This is what we need to be praying. Lord, help my unbelief. Humbly. That's what we need, beloved. Faith is small as a mustard seed. Faith is not the issue. It's who you put that faith in. That's what it is. Because many of you have faith, but you put faith in the wrong things. You put faith in the moneylender. Come on. You know how many people I know of are moneylenders, and this is what happened. They say, you're paying the moneylender Friday, and you're borrowing from the moneylender the same day. Because you put your faith in the moneylender. You put your faith in the wrong things. It's in who we put our faith. That's what it's all about, beloved. Don't let pride, guilt, 
fear, doubt rob you from taking this step. Don't, beloved. Don't let that happen. This is the problem we have. Can I get two or three strong men just to move the pulpit and those? Thank you. This is what happens. Thank you, Bro Arthur. Believe it, Bro Arthur Baklaini. Believe it, Ayman Baklaini. Yerra, help me. Forgive me, Yerra, but I believe it, Domel. Oh, Asab, please. Yeah, I to sit down and to say, oh, you're visit for me. Hey, even if you have he lost. What does a review mother do? For those of you who have cars, what does a review mother do? The review mother helps you to look behind you. It helps you to look behind you. And when some of us, we are walking around with invisible review mirrors that's bigger than our windscreens. All I can see is my hurts. All I can see is my pain. My wife's going to dance for us. And after that, I will tie it up with you.
the Lord. You make me clean. Stand with me. I want you today by the power and the blood of Jesus. I said to you that we walk around with review mirrors and the review mirror represents our past and all we can see is our past. All we can see is our hurt. All we can see our pain. Tonight, we, and I want to show you how we broke our generational curse. Both my grandfathers were Hindu priests. Both my grandfathers were Hindu priests. It was my dad, my mom, that gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Both my grandfathers, my father's father, my mother's father got sick, almost died. He was declared dead, they said. It was the children of God that did their knocking and came to his house. And he got healed. And the next day he burnt his temple. My dad's dad had a vision. He was a stubborn old man. I met him. He had a vision that he had died. And he came to this place where there was this bright light. And when he got there, he saw this angel there, and he asked this angel, can I come in? And the angel said, what's your name? And the angel opened the books. And he said, but your name is not here. But he's, and as he looked up, he saw my dad, the eldest son. And remember, the eldest son supposed to follow in the father's footsteps. And when my dad got saved, they kicked us out. In fact, they called us black things. Because my, we were the only ones that were dark. My father's family, the rest of them were all light of complexion. And you know what? He said, this is what, I, what he said. He says, the angel said to him, what's your son's name? And he gave his son's name. And he said, well, your son is here. His name is in the book. He said, can I go to him? He said, no, I cannot go. To, you cannot go to him because your name is not in the book. And he said, but go down this way. Go down this way. 
And when you get down to that road, you'll, someone will help you. And he said when he went down to that road, all he could see was, all he could hear was snakes hissing and frogs croaking. And it was just total darkness. And that same day, his Hindu friends came to pray for him. He was in his sick bed. And this is what he said to them. He says, don't pray for me. Now, when you go to a Hindu's house, you'll see pictures of the gods on all their walls. And this is what he said. He said, you know, for years, these gods, I've served them. They've done nothing for me. He said, the son, the God of my eldest son, he's God. Today, thank God by his grace, I'm a minister. My eldest brother is a pastor. We've got three, three grandsons, Robert, in the ministry as well. And then my entire family is saved. My dad's unsaved family all come looking for us in a time of crisis. Who broke the generational curse? My mom and dad broke that curse. Tonight, beloved, you're going to walk in victory tonight. We're going to break the review mirror tonight. And I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you hear, come on church. As you hear the breaking of the glass. Play it for us. Justin, as you hear the breaking of the gods, come on, by faith, break those curses. Break it. Come on. You pray tonight. Whatever you, whatever it is, whatever, you break it, whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever is, come on, church. Come on. Pray. Pray, church. Come on. Earnestly, fervently tonight, whatever you're going through, break. As you hear the glass breaking, break by faith tonight. Break those generational curses. Mommy may have said to you, nothing good will come out of you. But tonight you break it. Break it. Come on. By faith, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You break it tonight. You break it. Come on. Come up against those curses. Break those curses. Whatever you've been through, whatever hurt you're carrying, whatever unforgiveness you are carrying, come on, ask God to forgive you. Ask God to release you. Ask God to set you free. Ask him to deliver you tonight. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. By faith tonight. By faith tonight. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God tonight. Trust God tonight. By faith tonight. You trust him tonight. Come on, church. Come on. Trust him tonight. Trust him. As the glass breaks, you break the glory mirror. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking at your past. Come on. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm set free by the power and the blood of Jesus. I am delivered. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's an old song that we don't sing anymore. I am delivered. Praise the Lord. I am delivered by His blood. Once I was bound by the chains of Satan. I am delivered. Come on. Praise the Lord. Sing it. Come on. Let's try Yeah. <laughs>
kom ons, kom ons, kom ons speel het so'n bykie sag, met so'n bykie sag, kom ons speel het, die waar is, as daar enige iemand, wat die Heere nodig het in hulle leven, wat God de kans wil geef vanaan, it's only God that can break the curses, and it's only God that can make the difference, and can change your life tonight, 